Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Last week we began to talk, we had started a conversation about, uh, called Let's Be Honest, and we began to talk about uh, a few things. One of the things that we wanted to discuss today is the, uh, the reason that churches are shying away from talking about sin. It seems like the word sin is kind of now people don't have a sin problem. They have problems. They or have challenges. Issues. They have issues. challenges. We have tissues for your issues. Yeah. yeah. Special edition Secret Life of Pets 2 version. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. for that. But, so, but, but one of the reasons why we, we felt to talk about the phrase, let's be honest, is how many times do we hear something and we don't take it personally, we don't take it for ourselves to better ourselves because we're not honest with ourselves. We think it's, oh man, that's a good word for Susie yeah. Q over here. Yeah. Or man, I wish John was here. That, he needs to hear that. When in, 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 in reality, the word is for us mm-hmm. and taking it personally in the good way, not the, well, yeah. I just take it. No, take it to heart and say, okay, God, what do you want to show me in this so that I want, to, I'm a, I want to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today? And you have to be honest with yourself right. in order to grow that way. And you guys know Vision Church. I mean, you know our heart. And we really wanted to also do a let's be honest because um, God moved us here a year and a half ago to start this church. And we had no idea what it was going to look like. We didn't know very many people. Um, and God was like, we, we were kind of like, there's a church on every corner. Like, why are we here, God? Why do you want us to do this? And he was really showing me personally um, that there's such good, great people here in this area. Tons of good people. Um, but then I was realizing that everyone goes to church because it's the good thing to do. It's what you do. You tell God you love him. You spend time with him. And that's about it. And God was giving me this picture of how he had his hands. I talked about this last week, of how he had his hands tied behind his back. And uh, he was kind of like responding to us when we're like, God, I love you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. And then we go live the way we want. And God was just like, I love you too. But he can't do anything in their life. He can't do anything in our life because we're not willing and we're not being honest with what we need help with. And so that he's able to take the reins and then do extraordinary supernatural things in our life instead of just us, you know, sailing along. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about the willing and obedient eat the good of the land, which means taste and see that I am good. And so if some of us are willing, I'll go to church, I'll check it off. I'm willing to to listen, but it's the willing and obedient and sometimes in my life, I've been obedient, but maybe not so willing, you in the, know? In the book of James, it talks about being a doer of the word, and it's the doers are the ones that get the results, mm-hmm. you know? Um, okay, so let's bring up a couple of scriptures here to, so that we're not giving opinion, but let's, let's look at some scriptures. So in 2 Corinthians, it talks about uh, come, up, come away and be, be separate, uh, separate from the world, so... You know, so what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) To live separate from the world. Um, I mean, this is a this is a really interesting topic, and it's something that's really near and dear because 
I feel like us as believers, we're always trying to figure out what exactly that entails. You know, like, you're in the world, but be separate from the world. And it's almost kind of like, you know, make your coffee hot, but it's, it's almost like contradictory in a way. You know, it's like, you don't want me to be like the world, but yet I'm in the midst of the world, so you're telling me to do something that's hard. It's like being, it's like jump in the pool, but don't get wet in a way. And it's like, wait a second, how does that work? And, but that's the thing is it, it, it steps, it, it put, God has put us in a scenario because everything that God does is so that the fullness of who he is can shine in each and every one of us. Because none of us can earn our way to heaven. We all know that. We're all Christians, right? I mean, come on. This is Vision Church we're talking about. We're all perfect in here. No, I'm just kidding. But. We are. We're talking about other churches. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about other churches. But, I mean, it's in the sense of, you know, God, the way that he structured us, the way that he created us is so that we would constantly thrive and flourish when we step out of our ability into God's ability. And that's the way that he wants us to function. But it's. The living in the world, not of the world, gets really gray when people stop actually pursuing Christ and they're actually trying to live up to that standard of, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And it's like every second of every day, they're living in fear that they're going to be of the world. And we talked about this last night, too. Yeah, we can get critical. Yeah, which is the difference, which is the difference between sin consciousness and sun consciousness. So, like... Breaking it down for you. Sin consciousness is you're always living aware of sin, right? Okay, that's, that's what your mind is drawn to. You're always thinking about, oh, man, I don't want to do this because I don't want to mess up. I don't, I don't want to do this because I don't want to trip up. God calls us to live lives free of sin and all this kind of stuff. And then there's sun consciousness, which is always living life with the Father in mind, always living aware of God, always living aware of his son Jesus, which is the way that he once again created us to function and operate, you know, as as sons and daughters, (laughs) sons and daughters. But because like just for me, just in my life, whenever I was like struggling with porn real heavy, um, I was consistently being sin conscious. Because, like, with any kind of addiction, it starts out of curiosity, right? I mean, that's just how, I mean, it's not bad to be curious, honestly. It's whenever you're curious for the things of heaven, that's what God enjoys and wants us to be. He, because curiosity is childlike, you know? He wants us to be like that. And so curiosity is not bad, but when you're curious for the wrong things, for the wrong reasons, that's when it becomes an issue. And so, like, the whole time I was struggling with porn, it was always... Sin conscious, sin conscious, sin conscious. I was so scared that I was going to mess up again. I was so scared that I was going to trip up again. And in the, in the end, I ended up tripping up. Why? Because I wasn't focused on who God has called me to be. I was so scared that I was going to become or I was going to fall back to the person that God called me away from being. There's a love that, and I know you're, you're about to jump in. Um, go ahead and I'll Well, I was going to say, any... Um, any addiction that is void of the component of Jesus, there's a relapse that occurs. You can try to be right, try to be good, try to do, I'll do better next time. But if you don't have the Jesus component of wanting to love him, wanting to serve him, he was the greatest example on this earth. But just falling in love with God so much that you don't want that, even though it's a temptation, but 
when you don't, when you try and, and do it with books or, or counseling and all, that's good. It's not bad. But if you don't, if you keep Jesus out of the equation, there's always a relapse. And Je- this, this Jesus is, is heaven's something. answer for everything. He is heaven's answer. And I think about, you know, when I married you. And I was so glad when Nicole, you know, saw me f- when you had eyes for me. That was, that was a big deal. We are you know? too. We're Cause, so glad. Because I felt like I was chosen, <laughs> you know. How many of you guys know what it's like? Okay, by myself. Uh, but, you know, I mean. and Actually, actually so I, I, had, felt, I had ears for you. I didn't have eyes for him. I had ears because I was listening to what God wanted me to do. So he was actually. See what you did there. Yeah, see what I did there. So I had but here's what happened. When I, when I fell in love with you, um, you know, it was like what the Bible talks about, the, the pearl of great prize. The man goes and he sells everything that he has so that he can buy that pearl of great prize, you know, because you want that more than anything. You know, and, and that was the way. So, you know, so now I, have, I don't have any eyes for anybody else. I don't have all that. Wait a minute. God has showed me the one. And that love that I have for you has, has kept, you know. It's your focus. And I must say for the record, you're great eye candy. Just for the record. Okay. Am I blushing? PG, PG. So So John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 21 says this. This is the amplified version. It says, a person uh, who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I too uh, will love him and show, reveal, manifest myself to him. And I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him so because of my love for you then I I'm not willing to do these other things anymore I'm not willing to to you know I mean I begin to cut off communication other girls relationship yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean I remember you going through old pictures and you found this picture of this girl and she'd written something to me on the back one time and we were like okay that's going in the trash you know and so you know you know what I mean and so why because my love for you supersedes, and so I don't, I don't want to chance this over here, but sometimes what God has done is he has asked us for our, not our heart, our life, and we've given our heart to Jesus, but have we given him our life, our life, everything that's, okay, no, God, you know, I'm going to give you, I give him my heart, Lord, but but, I, but I'm only giving you this 50% because I still want to keep this relationship. I still want to keep this addiction. I still want to keep this habit. I still want this thing in my life. Or I still want to have the freedom to do this. And we think it's liberty. We think it's freedom. Or really, it's bondage. Yeah. Well, I was, there was a time in my life before, before you that I was engaged to another man. What? And Yeah, I told you about that. <gasps> but anyway, um, but I remember asking God to change it. To, to fix it, to make it right. And I was still serving him. I was still loving him. I was still in the ministry and doing, doing this stuff. But I kept looking at that huge ring that I had in my hand. And I was just saying, but God, just fix him and fix my parents and, and make everybody happy. And just, you know, here we go. And the Holy Spirit so sweetly just kept saying, no, no. It was just that still small spo- still small voice. I was looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. Well, if so-and-so would come and say, you shouldn't marry that person. Yeah. Well, I found out a long time ago that people just love love. 
You know, they're just like, oh, you guys are just so cute together. Oh, you look great. But as soon as I broke it off, they're like, oh, I'm so we glad. We knew that wasn't he the was one for you. Right one like, for you. Oh, my I was telling you, I was telling you the whole time. I didn't but, think he was the one. But that it was my decision. And so yeah. I was asked years later, you know, well, wh when did you stop loving God to not obey him? And I said, you know what? I never stopped loving God. But I can honestly say I stopped fearing God. In that moment, yes. and uh -huh. that season. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, we were talking last night, and it's so funny because, like, whenever we were like preparing for this, we were like, "I wish I'm recording." We were recording this conversation because it was so good. <laughs> we should just play it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but God was showing me how the grace of God—it's um, not allowed on your life without the reverence of God, without fearing Him. There's your quote. I don't know if you want to Let's read it. Let's read it. Right here. here it is. The grace of God doesn't work in your life if the reverence and fear of the Lord isn't there. We can now have access to the actual grace of God when we fear him. If there is no reverence um, between you to God, he, he'll know it. He's not going to be able to do things in your life. Um, recently, we heard a sermon that talked about sonship and servant. So, a, and Dad's talked about this before, but like a servant to a master, can the servant make any decisions for himself? No, right? No. He immediately he listens serves. and obeys the master. But a son reverences the master, his dad. He's with him. He's connected to him. He's in relationship. And he has freedom to make decisions, doesn't he, in his life. Um, so many times Christians just... You know, there's that message of, oh, I'm a Christian, so God's grace is on me, and that's it, right? I can just do whatever I want, and he will just put the blood over me and wipe me clean. And that's not the story. If you're not fearing him and in complete reverence with the God of the universe, yeah, yeah. Um, then he's not going to grant that grace to you. So let's, let's look at a couple people then in the Bible. Think about this. Yeah. So David, right? He had such a heart after God. What did God call him? Man after God's own heart. God's own heart. So he was so, he was so in love with God that it drove his passion to obey him. To, he didn't want to do anything that messes this up. And I don't want to do anything that messes this up, you know, because we've had 20, almost 27 years. And I, man, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm ready for another 27 how many? You can I get an amen? 27 going on forever. Okay. So I think about this story that we heard. We heard this years ago. And I don't know if you want to tell about the old couple, couple that was in line at the grocery store. And, and there was the checkout girl. And she was a young girl at college age. And, and they were buying some stuff because they were getting ready to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. And so the young, uh, the young girl, she overheard them talking about it and talking about their celebration coming up. And she said, wait a minute. You guys have been married 50 years? And they said, yeah, we've been married 50 years. And she said, I couldn't imagine being married 50 years. And so the young wise, or the wise woman <laughs> reached across and grabbed her hand and she said, well, honey, don't get married until you can. Don't get married. Why? Because yeah. it's, good. man, you're, you're 100% committed. David was 100% committed. And because of it, we saw the fruit in his life, right? 
He lived for God. Everything that he did was passionate. In fact, he came up with the idea to build the temple, right? And God said, wait a minute, you're not. God was so touched that he had that in his heart. But getting saved. And then we'll talk about a couple other people. No, but that's totally in line with like getting saved is not a one-way ticket to heaven. That's not it. It's literally counting the cost. The moment you are saved, you turn your life over to God, you're a target of the enemy. And there is no neutral ground. There is nowhere you can go where you cannot, where you cannot be a target of the enemy. Um, and so he'll use... Yeah. Because the, the, the enemy is smart. He knows that if he can't... And because I know because he's done this to me that if he knows he can't get you out of salvation... He'll do his best to get you to compromise any way you can. Like, he li- like, yeah, Satan is stupid, and he is like, he messed up bad. But that's not for us to take lightly the fact that he's actually conniving, and he's actually smart. And he's good at it. Exactly. Because you just look at all, you know, a bunch of people, and they're like, wow, that came out of nowhere. And it's like, first of all, because you allowed yourself to play dumb. When you allow yourself to play dumb, the enemy is smart, you know? And, but it's just like, when you look yeah. at that. Sorry, but with the target, really quick, is also with no neutral ground, not to scare you guys, but what that means is you have to pick a side. So you can either be a prisoner of war or a warrior, right? So you're either going to choose to fight or completely give yourself up. But there's got to be a choice. There's no neutral ground. Well, Zach, you said something last night about um, if Satan can't take your salvation from you, he'll make you ineffective in your salvation. Yeah. And Thank you, Lord. Just, yeah, just you're welcome. So, um, he, so you can clean that up if you, if you need to. But, but another thing that, that you were saying earlier about getting this right and, and, and the 27 years, all that stuff, where the easy is not in there anywhere. It, this, this is not always easy. This is not always easy. And if, you, and if you're here, if you're here. has been for me. If somebody, I don't know about you. If somebody I think you're the one that's had that, the heart. <laughs> if somebody ever tells you that, they're selling you a bill of goods. I mean, you know, they're, they're, there's a bridge, you know, for sale somewhere. But, but Mostly. the point is, and Becca, you talked about it earlier, the grace is sufficient. The grace is there for that. If you're totally Godward, then his grace is, comes, comes with it and will help you make the hard decision in the face of adversity mm-hmm. to be that that minority minority person in the sea of the majority doing the wrong thing just because everybody's doing it but the grace is there to help you do the right thing so you're not by yourself you're not in that sea of of swamp you know following you know go, going going down the ditch but you're, you're swimming upstream with the grace of God because it's sufficient. And you can stay in that marriage. That may seem hard today, but the grace will be there to, to help me be a better wife, not fix him and make him a better husband, but to make me a better wife. And then magically, he becomes a great husband when you become a better wife. Yeah. We talked weeks and weeks ago about girls that are looking for Prince Charming. Well, are you Cinderella? You know, Ooh. you've got to be the woman that that prince is looking for. If that, if that, um, and then re- reverse it. And so if you want that great husband, then be that great wife. And you may think, but it's been so hard. He just doesn't, he doesn't pay attention. He, leave that to God. That, that's where you cast your care. But you take the responsibility, and with that comes the grace to do 
what God needs you to do. It's the empowerment. Yeah, yeah, because the gospel demands change. It's not the license to do wrong. It's no. the empowerment to do right. Exactly. And so, I mean, just like what you guys have been talking about with marriage, when you got married, the moment marriage demands change. Like you were saying, you no oh, longer. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> you no longer <laughs> text other girls. You know, or text, sorry, they didn't have text back in. Email. You no longer, yeah. You no longer direct messaged via letter in the mail. Uh, you no longer talk to girls in a certain way. You, you carried yourself differently because you are committed. And if you are truly committed to the gospel. Well, I've entered a covenant, yeah. Exactly. Of love. When you truly enter into that and realize what Becca said, that the gospel is not just a get to heaven free card. It's literally not me trying to get into heaven, but it's literally God trying to get heaven into you. To bring it here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> Every God's, day at God's, work, heart, God's at church, heart is for people. School. And how many people are walking around today, unbelievers, that are walking around because they were hurt, not out on the streets, not in the gas station, but they were hurt in the church. They were hurt in the church because people didn't know who they were. They didn't count the cost and they didn't truly take the importance of what it really means to be a son and a daughter. And the thing that we have the opportunity to do is not to get offended when somebody says something because if somebody says something at us, we just need to understand, first of all, they're not operating out of sonship because if they are, sonship wow. doesn't sound like that. Yeah. That's what an, that's, yeah. that's what, that's what an yeah. orphan sounds like. Mm -hmm. And you just need to be reminded of who you really are. Say what you were saying last night about if I sin instead of when I sin. Right, and that goes back to being sin conscious. <clears throat> you see that God gave us a free will, Right. And so probably the most cliche saying that we hear in the body of Christ is, well, I'm not perfect. You know, like I've messed up, which is true. If you're perfect, raise your hand. No, yeah. nobody, <laughs> no one up to this point in life has ever so we've, lived. We've like, gone to the other side and said, I'm going to sin. Yes. And you see, it says in Deuteronomy that God says, you know, right, I've said before you life, death, blessing, cursing. We've heard that scripture many times. But a lot of times, we as believers, we forget that God has given us free will because, once again, going back to being sin conscious, there's a bunch of people that are walking around and they're like, Lord, forgive me for when I sin. Well, there's a lot of problems. It's like it's expected. There's a lot of problems with that statement. Forgive yeah. me when I sin. You're no longer like even trying. If you are literally living. <laughs> You're just going to succumb. Fully aware of the person that Christ has called you to be. It's not when I sin. It's if I sin. We have a choice. When you sin takes out the, the, idea of, the idea of free will. Of option. When you're like, when I sin, you're like, well, it's just my nature, just who I am. I'm going to mess up anyways. Not when you received Christ. When you received Christ, you were empowered from that moment forward to literally overcome sin because we couldn't overcome sin yeah. on our own. But so they Christ give you it. signs. Temptations will come. Exactly. But then you always go you back. to it. You always go back to Jesus because it said that he was tempted in all likeness and manner of men. Jesus went through everything. And it says, be perfect as I am perfect. Who said that? God. Jesus. That means that Jesus. it's attainable, right? If he said, be perfect like I he am. He wouldn't ask you to do something. No. You didn't have to and he's not saying your entire life has to be perfect. He's saying starting today, you can now live out the rest of your days in perfect righteousness with me. If there it is attainable. Before Christ, it was not attainable. That's why Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he, because he lived out, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, grace empowers us to call out, to live out what truth calls us to. So that's what it is. 
No, no, no. And and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit will tell us before we do something. You can go back to every wrong choice and you can track down, yeah, yeah, I knew it was the wrong thing to do, but I did it anyway. So what would our lives look like if we actually obeyed that voice that we heard? And, and some, of it, some, of, some of us, the, that voice is louder than others. But the more you heed to that voice, the louder, the louder it, it gets. will become. That's a good point. Like what she said about when God was telling her no about a relationship. That's happened to me too three years ago. And it was like I couldn't spend time with God because I knew I wasn't obeying him in this area. And so he would just say no, not about not spending time with him. He would just say no about something I needed to end that I knew I needed to. And, and it makes your private time with him harder too. So hard. Because you're like, God, I love you. Yeah. I love you. But the whole time God's just like, just obey me. Do this. It's so much like, better for you. I know you, you do love this. me. And I know you well, want that, this. That, yeah. comes, that comes back to the girl, the girl that gets her heart broke by the boyfriend because now the boyfriend the boy that gets is in the center the where Jesus is supposed to be. Yes. We're equal opportunity yes. offenders. <laughs> You know, the boyfriend is now in the yeah. center where, yeah. where Jesus is supposed to be. And it comes back to the question is, is Jesus in the center of what you're doing? Is he your passion? Is he your desire? Uh, let's, look at, let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Because, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's the culture I'm living in. I'm surrounded by all these things. Okay, well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken out of their culture, out of the uh, Israel and what, how Israel believed and what they practiced and, and, and their relationship with God. And they were put in a completely different culture. In fact, their names were changed. Very interesting. One of Shadrach, I don't remember if it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One of them, they gave him a girl's name. It's probably Meshach. Meshach, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't know. But anyway, but my point is they changed their name. They put them in a different culture. And then they said, okay, now wait a minute. We're going to change your diet. We're going to change what, 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 what you eat. What was so um, strategic about them changing their names is the name was their identity. Yeah. And so every time they said Phil, they called them basically the, what Phil meant. Lover the of name, power and majesty. The name of that, that person. Talking about so, Shadrach. Yeah, Lover of power and majesty. In case you didn't know. So, um, so, so they wanted to change that person's identity. And that's yeah. why it's so important that, as Zach said, knowing who we are, knowing what, who God made us, and not allowing culture to change our identities or make us confused in our identities or saying, you know, well, let's explore all these different things. No, God, God is so, it's so simple. It is so simple. You need and see, to love You can be an architect music. of culture. You can come into a place and change the atmosphere of that place, the way that that place operates. I can't tell you the times that, you know, I remember working for a particular company and they called me Preacher Phil, you know, because they knew I was a Christian. They knew I was real involved in Boy, ministry. Boy, what a compliment. You know, and I thought, man, say it again. Glory to God. Maybe I'll become one. Maybe I'll get good at, at preaching. Um, but, you know, they, they, would, they labeled me Im immediately and I was very thankful for it. But we would get into meetings. One guy would let a curse word fly and all of a sudden they'd apologize to me. I'd be like, I'm not the curse police, guys. You didn't send against I'm, me. I'm not condemning you for cursing. I, I, I'm not out here going, okay, wait, okay, John, he cursed. You know, no, my, my job is to love people. You know, and that's what I saw that Daniel, Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did was they didn't allow 
the culture. This is being in the world but not of it. They didn't allow the culture to dictate how they were going to live. Daniel still ate what he ate originally, but he also still threw the windows open and prayed every day. He didn't change yeah, who yeah, he yeah. was, what he believed, because people can't take away what you believe. Mm -hmm. You know, but when we allow culture to... We just learned this week that your belief system is part of your property. Yeah. It's your property. I love that. Lincoln said that. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, we, so many times we think, you know, in America, you know, the, we, you know we, we have the, the right to bear arms to protect our property. Well, same thing with our belief system. Our religious belief system is our property. So a little side note there. So think, think about yeah. this scripture. Philippians 1.11 says, May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, the righteous character produced in, a, uh, in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So we're supposed to be the kind of people that produce righteousness. Go ahead. Well... I was just reminded, um, I was listening to a podcast, and uh, a guy by the name of Chris Volaton, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but uh, he was preaching, and in the, in the middle of his message, he said, how many of y'all know that the world is getting darker and darker, but the church is getting brighter and brighter? And then everyone said, amen. And he looked at everybody and said, no, you amen at the wrong part. He said, why is the church getting darker and darker, or why is the world getting darker and darker, but the church is getting lighter and lighter? The church is supposed to be the light of the world. The world is supposed to be getting brighter and brighter. It's not the church diminishing and the church growing. It's the church going in and influencing culture in the world, Spreading and therefore the, the world begins to thrive. We look around the world today, and we literally see signs of the, of the earth that is groaning, and it says in the scriptures, it says that all of creation is groaning and waiting for the sons and daughters of God to manifest their father. Now, groaning and groaning and moaning doesn't, he's not necessarily meaning that the mountains are going, ugh, and the trees are like, ah. He's not meaning it like that. Groaning and moaning sometimes means like going up to a guy at McDonald's and he says, get away from me, I hate you. I don't want to hear about this Jesus. Oh, you're groaning, dude. Let me bring Jesus in. There's so many people walking around and they're mad at God because the body of Christ has not fully taken hold of the proper gospel of grace. God, grace is not an excuse. Grace is an empowerment to live the life that God has called us to. And we'll begin to see healing in the church, healing in the streets, healing in our government when the body of Christ actually steps up to the plate to be the people that God called us to be and that's to be right standing with him. So I have a question for you this morning. Are you shying away from letting your light shine? From being a light on a lampstand? Are we becoming like the world in order to reach the world? You know, if I become dark, how can I shed light in darkness? I'm already in the world. I'm around people all the time have opportunities all the time I uh, I did a business deal with a guy yesterday and then and then remembered man let's pray for this guy I said man do you mind if we pray for you he goes no would you yeah pray for me what can I pray for you for oh for my business for my family he said would you pray for that he, he doesn't even go to church anywhere what am I doing 
I'm letting my light shine. Do you shy away from praying before a meal? Sitting in a restaurant, don't want to see anybody, don't want anybody to see you bow your head, pray for somebody, or maybe your waitress. Let, let's say, let me put it in another light, okay? Not, this is not condemning. This is just informational, okay? I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm not, I'm not you, you might do this on a consistent basis. But let's say you're in a restaurant and, the, and your waitress comes and she's got a heavy weight on her. Man, she's got some terrible things going on in her life. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever noticed that people are willing to freely share with you what's going on in their life, the problems, the challenges that they're facing. And what it is, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you and I to say, hey, let me pray for you. Man, God loves you. He wants to work in your situation. He wants to help you change that. Do you know Jesus? Well, man, I don't, I, you know, I just, I don't, what if they say, I don't, I don't know, I don't want you to pray for me. Let me tell you, I do this all the time. I am yet, I've only had one person tell me, no, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I've only had one person, and I've done this a lot with people. Well, let me pray for you. Let me tell you, when somebody tells you about what's going on in their life, they tell you about a challenge or a situation, they are begging for an answer. They are, believe, they, they are hoping for an answer. And we have the hope. Do you have the hope in you? If you have Jesus on the inside of you, you're the hope. So my question is, are you shying away from opportunities? Are you shying away from open doors? When God wants you to step through and say, man, let me pray for you. Let me believe God with you. My Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. Man, that convicted my heart. I read that scripture one time and I thought, man, God has been so good to me. And I know, I know all of you, if we went around the room, you could talk about how good God has been to you. What he's done in your life. The miracles, the amazing things that he's done. Okay, well, he's, he's done that for you for a reason. So that I, in turn, now can bless somebody else. I can give to somebody else. I can sow into somebody else's life. I can minister to somebody else. Well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Preachers are supposed to be doing that. No, my Bible doesn't say that. We're all. Because the preacher only has so much influence. I only see the people I see every day. I don't see everybody every day. I can't be there for everybody, but you can, you can, you can, you can, you can. I can go all the way around the room. God has brought you to a place to minister to other people. And you say, well, you know, I just, it's, it's not comfortable for me to talk to other people about Jesus. Well, okay. But when they share their problem with you, would you be comfortable with saying, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you? And if you don't want to do it in front of people, man, ask God to help you get them to a place where it's away from people and you can minister to them somewhere else. You can take them outside or you can go in the back break room or something and say, well, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I was in, uh, I was in the bank and this woman, this teller, began to tell me about all the issues that she was facing, all the challenges that she was going through. And I said, and she looked at me with tears in her eyes. And I said, I said, can I pray for you? And she goes, and she looked at me. She looked back, and her manager was training the person next to her. And I could tell she was looking at her manager. 
So she didn't want me to do it right there. And she goes, she goes, go, go over there by the TV and I'll come over there in a minute. I said, okay. So I went over there by the TV and I was sitting there waiting and had HGTV on. And so I just sat down and I was waiting for her. And finally she came over and I said, let me pray. That just, I just, I kind of like HGTV. That's what I was like. So that's why I said that. And so I said, well, let's pray. She put her hands in mine. And I, man, I began to pray over her situation. Began to pray over her family. Began to pray over her job. And, and then I looked up and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and I stepped back and looked. And these, these workers over here are looking at us. The manager is looking with like this laser eye. Like, okay, you're doing this. On my time. Well, I didn't, I just asked her if I could pray for her. You know, I mean, she knew. And, but you know what happened? God promoted her on her job. <laughs> Man! <laughs> and let me tell you, I don't have any power in me, but I can be the hands of Jesus. I can be the feet of Jesus. I can be the mouth of Jesus. God, show me what to say. Show me how to and so my question to you this morning is are you being the hands of Jesus are you being the feet of Jesus are you allowing God to use you if not I want to challenge you this morning man begin to step out the way you get over fear is you face the fear and you do it afraid we used to have our kids you know they're, they're pretty good at talking in front of people now but when, when they first started, they were terrible. I was terrible. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm super great now, but I mean, I was really terrible. You wouldn't know what to do. But, but these guys, they were like, you know, we used to go, we used to do a Bible study in a retirement center every Wednesday. And we would get together and we would do this Bible study. And, and so we'd say, Zach, give him a good word. And he was like eight years old. And, you know, we'd throw him up there and he'd be standing there going, uh, God loves you. And that was, you know, that was the first. I think, I think that was the first one, you know. But, but look at what's happened. And, they, and they, they begin to talk to Nicole. And, and they'd say, you know, Mom, don't just push me out there like that. And she said, listen, you're going to get over it. You're going to get over that fear. And you're going to begin to minister to people. You're going to begin to have a word. And so what I encourage you to do is go ahead and prepare something to say every week. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Okay, okay, and you know what? Now, man, I watch him, and I begin to tear up. I mean, it doesn't take much for me to tear up, okay? I'm a pretty emotional guy, but because but, I, I get moved, inspired by pretty much anything. And man, but when they, but when they talk, man, I just, I, tears swell up in my eyes because I'm watching God use them. They have gotten over the fear. That's how you get over it. You begin to do it, and when you do it, you become less fearful, less fearful, less fearful, less fearful. I don't care who is watching me. I don't care what people think. Why? They can't kill me anyway. What are they going to do? Look at me with an evil eye? What are they going to do? Decide they don't like me? I, but I care more about what he thinks than what they think. And let me tell you, if, when we can get free of ourselves... We can, we can get free of other people. Man, there will be nothing that you and I can't do. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.